Homeland Security's chief human capital officer is well aware that the department doesn't fare well in the best places to work in government rankings. But she also says there's more to employee engagement and satisfaction than may show up in those scores. Angela Bailey joined me in studio for a wide-ranging interview on HR at Homeland Security. We started with the fact that it is Federal Employee Viewpoint Survey season. Homeland Security has struggled with its average score, although that doesn't really reflect what's happening necessarily in all the components. But your thoughts on FEVS season? That's a, I have many thoughts on the, on the FEVS season. Uh, for one thing, one of the things that we're really trying to do is, I think for, within DHS is to say that it's not just about a FEVS score, that it's really about what's the best way for us to take care of our employees and their families. Because as you know, DHS, our mission is, well, we're approximately 240,000 employees. Our mission is incredibly diverse, everything from cybersecurity threats to the border, uh, to flight safety, to disaster recovery, you name it, the list goes on and on. And so for us with the FEVs, we really want to actually make sure that we get out the get out the vote, uh, if you will, or get have their voices heard is a better way to put it. And just to make sure that we understand what are the issues, but not just the concerns, but what what are we doing well? And then how do we capitalize on that? And how do we make sure that we do things even better to support our workforce? And so far, do the returns look like people are filling out the survey? You're getting the numbers that you want? Yes, actually, we're on par with last year. We're around 25% uh, this year. And I think we're uh, right in right in line, actually, with the government response rate as well. Uh, some of our components are doing exceedingly well. Uh, TSA, for example, is up to 27% response rate. I think they're up like by 6% of where they were last year. So overall, we have one component that's actually at 60% response rate. So I think what you'll find is that employees, despite all the work that they have to do, quite frankly, um, they're taking the time to actually fill out their their FEVs responses. Because the full survey, not just the three questions that relate to the best places to work final tally whenever that comes out, but that otherwise the survey is pretty big. It's a time-consuming thing. I mean, a half hour is a lot for people. It is. I think it took me about 20 minutes to get through it myself. And no, you're right. And, you know, so sometimes it all gets boiled down to, right, the best places to work, which is boiled down, by the way, to three questions. And and really what we're trying to say, not only to ourselves, but I think to the to the uh, government at large is that we we don't want to define ourselves by three questions. And instead, I think DHS needs to really be defined by the kinds of work that we do on behalf of the nation, uh, the kinds of dedication. In fact, if you look at at our FEV scores, you'll see I think it's 96 percent or 98 percent of our employees will say that they will do what it takes to get the job done. Like they are totally committed. And it's kind of a shame that that's not part of, you know, the best places to work question would be how committed are you to getting the job done? Because I think if that were the case, you know, DHS would like lead the federal government, quite frankly. And as the chief human capital officer, you've got several initiatives going. And let's talk about HRIT. Sure. So with HRIT, um, the biggest initiative that we're really trying to do there Which is, is human. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's human resource information technology. So basically what HRIT is designed to do is just to integrate all of our uh, systems across DHS. It's not about the Big Bang Theory. We're not going for like one system for DHS because that's kind of crazy and silly for us to even think that we could do that. But on the other hand, it makes no sense at all that we wouldn't try to integrate our systems so that we can get as much automation out of it as we possibly can so that we can secure the data in a much better fashion uh, and just so that we can, you know, quite frankly, hire folks in a more efficient and effective manner. And so what does that consist of kind of 
back-end integration of data, even though the systems out front are, are the same? Right. So I'll give you a great example. One of the two back-end systems, we uh, were able to successfully connect USA Staffing to ISMIS. And ISMIS, I don't know what it stands for, but it's just call it the Security Background Investigation System, right? Sure. And so we were able to connect the front-end system, if you will, to the, to the security system. And by doing that, uh, incredibly, now the d- information can flow from an HR system into security and back and forth. In the past, and the past was only six months ago, an HR specialist would literally have to print out the information out of the HR and then hand type it in to the security system. This is the 21st century. It's 2019. We need to integrate, right? And so we put a, a huge uh, effort into that. And I'm incredibly proud of the team. It took a lot of time an effort to make that happen, but um, but they did. They stuck at it, and so this fall we'll connect now Monster to, uh, which is our other backend system. We'll connect that to the security system as well, and then we'll be uh, rocking and rolling when it comes to integration on that front. Yeah, because successive secretaries of Homeland Security have tried to push this idea of one DHS, mm-hmm. and there's been some leadership turnover, let's say. But is the one DHS idea still alive and operating down below the? Secretary's office level? Absolutely. I th- I think that in the three years that I've been there, what I've seen is us, uh, it's an impressive amount of uh, maturation, if you will, of, of that whole concept of one DHS. And so unity of effort, you can call it whatever you want. But the bottom line is, is like, we all know that, especially like whenever you're out in the field, ICE, CBP, TSA, FEMA, they all have to work together to accomplish the mission. And so we all do work together to accomplish it. HRIT is a great example of that. Every single component is at the table. Uh, while I co-chair that with the CIO, every component's at the table, making sure that we address what the components need as well as what the department is trying to do, you know, in this one DHS environment. And so you get a really good balance there. Um, I would say that there's compromising that has to go on on both sides, but that's how you make the world work, right? And so we're, um, we're getting things done. We're speaking with Angela Bailey, the Chief Human Capital Officer of the Homeland Security Department. And talk about what you are doing on the cybersecurity staffing and human resources front. Sure. One of the biggest things that we're doing is we're embarking on uh, redesigning, completely redesigning a personnel, the personnel system for our cy- cybersecurity workforce. And so um, with that, um, we're everything that you have ever seen to date with regard to recruiting, hiring, benefits, compensation, pay, you name it, we're absolutely completely redesigning it. Congress gave us, um, I'll call it a blank check, to be able to write a personnel system the way that we think it needs to be you know, needs to be designed for the 21st century. And we're taking full advantage of that. Uh, and so by probably the spring of 2020, we'll have our first person hired under that new personnel system. And how does it work? What's different about it than the existing system? Some of the differences would be, um, for example, instead of today, we put a job up on USA Jobs, right? And we'll say we want a GS 221015. And most people are saying, what the heck is that? I don't know what to do, you know? And so for us, instead, what we're going to say is, hey, DHS is looking for folks with digital forensics and maybe some insider threat experience and just send your resume in. And so when we get those resumes, now we're going to look at the person, not the position first, but the person. And we might be looking at it and say, wow, they got digital forensics. 
forensics and a psychology degree. You know, they might be a really good fit in our human trafficking section as a criminal investigator uh, for ICE. That might be a good fit. Or it might be that they're pure digital forensics and they're pure uh, cyber talent. Well, they might be good then for for CISA, our new agency that does our, right. our cybersecurity. And so the point is, is that what makes that so fundamentally different is that we're not hiring for a position. We're actually hiring people, figuring out what their talent is and where their capabilities will best match what projects and things we're working on. And then we will place them into those kinds of positions. Hugely different. And on the general taking care of people. You've got a lot of initiatives going that takes care of the whole person and Mm -hmm. the whole family even. Tell us about some of those. Yeah, this is something that I'm really, really quite proud of DHS for doing. So we're, um, it's called Employee and Family Readiness. And what we're doing is we're collecting, and again, every component's at the table. Um, CBP has probably been the leader in this um, in the past, I would say, in delivering quite a few things with regard to resiliency and stuff. And so I had the for, um, fortunate opportunity to go down to the border a couple of years ago. And when I was down there, uh, I got to meet with some, in this particular case, it was wives whose husbands had either been killed in the line of duty or had died while working on the job. And so it really kind of hit home for me, the fact that um, we have spouses that also need taken care of, right? Especially in law enforcement where that's a really tough and high pressure and stressful occupation. Absolutely. And so that was kind of like the genesis of this. And so when I came back, um, I asked the team to get together and really put some thought behind this and they have just done a fantastic job. So so here's some of the things we're delivering as a result of that across the components. Mindfulness training is one of the things that we're delivering. Um, How does that take, what form does that take? So these are... um, these are classes and the folks come in and we're actually incorporating it into like our Border Patrol Academy. As an example, FLETSI, our law enforcement sure. training center, has it incorporated. In fact, we went through it last year down at FLETSI. So there's actually a whole lot of evidence behind this that says that when people um, are able to take mindfulness training and really kind of be present in the moment and, you know, just kind of calm it all down, right, that they not only make better decisions, but I think they're able to better handle some of the crisis. And as you can imagine, the things that our folks have to handle on the border or, or quite frankly, in a, in a, um, a security checkpoint line, right, at, at for TSA, sure. um, some of the things that these folks have to handle, mindfulness training, they've found to be quite beneficial. And this is outside experts that come in and conduct these classes? Yes, some of it is, but others is that we've trained our own folks. Mm-hmm. So we have um, just some phenomenal people on staff who actually dedicate themselves to doing this. So it's it's a combination. It really depends. But mostly this is DHS employees delivering this. One of the other things that we're doing is stronger bonds. Um, and stronger bonds, someone teased me one time and said, oh, so now we're delivering marriage counseling. And it's like, well. Or cable ties. Exactly. <laughs> or cable ties. Well, or something like that. Right. So anyhow, we're so, yeah. So stronger bonds is really um, it's a couples based it's usually held on the weekend, uh, and we have um, them come in, and it's amazing the results from that. So, you know, we did some surveys pre and post of doing this, and so when the couples came in, one of the questions was, you know, how not committed are you to each other, but how much do you understand communicating with each other and and that kind of thing? And it was like maybe 14%, 20%, but at the end of the class, it was like 94%, 96%. Like, Folks really actually understood it and got something out of it. And leadership, 
especially within our law enforcement community, is completely behind this. And so we just actually did a video with Chief Huffman and his wife the other day to go out and kind of um, talk about this. So the point is, again, is that we're looking at this as, as the whole family unit, not just the employee. The other thing we're delivering is financial literacy. The shutdown if it showed anything, is that federal workers are a microcosm of society. We are in debt um, or living paycheck to paycheck, just the same yeah, as I a think lot of folks. I think in Washington, people often assume everybody's a GS-15 with two incomes, so there's a couple of hundred thousand coming in, right. and you can ride over a couple of weeks with no paycheck. Far from the case in reality. Absolutely. I mean, our, our TSOs make on average somewhere around $40,000 a year. And so they have families, they have, you know, children. When you're trying to cross a, you know, you're asked to work and you're try, trying to cross the bridges in New York City at what, 20 bucks a pop to get across the bridge. I, I swim and, now. I don't. Yeah, you swim and you have to pay for daycare, right? And you have to pay for your public transportation and you're not receiving a paycheck. It's going to hurt. Actually, I don't care what your financial level is, that's going to hurt. Sure. And so we started delivering financial literacy and we that's more like an information campaign and it's working really, really well. The fourth thing that we're doing in this vein is um, dependent care. And so one of the things that we're, as you can imagine, our folks don't work nine to five. They're deployed or they're, you know, they can't say to the drug cartel, hey, can you hold on there just a minute? I have to go pick up my kid here in about five minutes. They don't get to do that. And so when a disaster strikes and FEMA says all hands on deck and they all deploy, they need things like backup daycare so that they have the ability to actually deploy to help the citizens. And so we put a concerted effort into that and we're going to, you know, just really work with GSA and some other federal agencies to figure out how can we deliver dependent care across this nation uh, to our highest need populations. And then the last one is just mental health um, because mental health is a big deal. So we created a public facing website. Anybody will be able to use that. But one of the reasons that we did that is that just sending emails doesn't work. People delete it. Uh, just having it internal, I may not recognize that I have a problem. And so making it public facing, now the family can actually have access to it as well and could maybe perhaps say to their spouse, you know, these are just some things that I'm noticing and perhaps we could go I was researching and I saw we could get help here, you know, and, and something like that. So um, all of these things are designed, truly designed to take care of the employees and their families. And and to weave this back into the FEVs, it's like FEVs and employee engagement. I think sometimes we've gotten a little bit far away from this and we think that employee engagements is making people happy or having ice cream socials. And it's not. I think it's about meet, meeting people's basic needs and helping them, even if it's getting copier paper or making sure, for heaven's sakes, that the copier actually even works, right? Actually get, does something to build morale in an office far more than if I was to give them ice cream, but their copier doesn't work, right? And so that's what we're trying to do within DHS is be very pragmatic, be very practical, and really try to hone in on what is it going to take to help our employees actually be able to succeed. We're speaking with Angela Bailey. She's the Chief Human Capital Officer at the Homeland Security Department. And finally, as the Chico, mm -hmm. you have you sit in a policy central type of job with an agency with so many different components that are unto themselves and have their own hiring systems and so forth. How do you integrate with those various components and how do you relate to them? And where, where does your job end and the local HR and human resources people begin? 
Well, for me, so I think some of this is maybe personal or personality based, but for me, it's all about building the relationships and building this really good cadre of and and having a really strong network. And so from the beginning, from the day I walked in, which was in January of 2016, I didn't try to go in and say, look, you got to do it the DHS way, meaning the department way or or try to stop them from doing some of the things that they were doing individually. Instead, I took the time to sit down with them and find out, why do you do it this way? Is there a way that I can help you? Is there a way that I can like reach out to OPM to actually get you the support that you need? Or perhaps we can put it together a legislative strategy together and we can use my clout as well as your clout, right, to get what it is that we need to do. And so I think over these last three years, I got to say without a doubt that our HR leadership team across all the components is one of the strongest that I've ever worked with um, or worked for. And so I, I and it's not just about the HR community. I also actually whenever I leave here, um, I have a call with um, with one of the component heads. And so we, and we talk every two weeks and we talk about operational issues and then we talk about how I can then help him be able to achieve his mission. And I think whenever you take as an HR professional, you have to understand the mission. So every day when I get a sit rep that comes in telling me what's going on on the border or what the S1 is is concerned with or what his small group meetings are about, I read every single sit rep, read every single thing that's going on within the department, even though it's not HR related, because I don't know how I could do my job if I didn't understand what they need. And in fact, in the a couple of weeks here, I'm going to go down to the border and I'm going to go where our volunteers are and sit with them in a couple of different locations to try to understand what are their needs as well, uh, as well as the agents and officers that are actually down on the border working. And let me ask you this. The TSA commissioned a study of HR types of issues. A contractor completed that study. It was pretty comprehensive. Has your reading list included that? And what do you think it says to you at this point? It did indeed. Um, And I am going to sit down with TSA leadership and we're going to go through that report together. And we're going to like kind of sift through and triage the report and see where are the issues in which TSA's got it under control and they can, you know, they can work the issues. Where are the issues where we might not see eye to eye necessarily with everything that was reported? And or where do we see that the department itself can come in and actually help them? Where can we bring the power of DHS together to assist TSA in, you know, in a, in, in a few of the different areas? But TSA is making extremely good progress uh, in many different areas. And I'm very pleased with the leadership and their commitment to wanting to address and tackle whatever challenges that they might have. So I'm highly confident that whatever it is that, that we need to address, it'll get addressed. Angela Balius, Chief Human Capital Officer at the Homeland Security Department. We'll post the interview in its entirety at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. Hear the Federal Drive on your schedule. Subscribe at Apple Podcasts or Podcast One. (coughs) Cough and cold season is here. Introducing Ricola Max Throat Care, Ricola's most powerful drop yet. It's the best of Swiss nature wrapped around a powerful liquid menthol center for maximum relief from your worst cough and sore throat. Maximum nature for maximum relief. Try the new Ricola Max now, available in the cold and cough aisle. It's in our nature. Will you and everyone you work with lose their minds if you don't use Upwork to bring in more talent to help? Yep. 
Can you afford to spend months finding that talent the old-fashioned way? Nope. Can you hire them in seconds on Upwork? Yep. Is it complicated? Nope. Can you have them as long as you need? Yep. Longer than you need? Nope. Is Upwork a newer, better way to work? Yep. Is this commercial over? Nope. What about now? Yep. Upwork. This is how we work now.